0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, June 14th. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson from The Athletic, a two-man group today. And Pete, uh, since we last gathered last Tuesday, C.J. Carr verbally committed that night to Notre Dame. Elijah Page, the offensive lineman, verbally committed on Friday. Uh, A lot of talk about C.J. Carr possibly reclassifying, which I want to ask you about. Dante Moore, what's going to happen with him? And then a bunch of uh, intel from Tom Loy at 24-7 Sports about some guys that may be falling Notre Dame's way. So let's start with CJ Carr uh, in particular, Pete. And I know that you looked into some of the reclassifying possibilities. He's an older player within the class mm-hmm. of 2024. What we're told is that nothing is definite one way or another, but it's a possibility that will be left open to see if C.J. Uh, CJ Carr wants to wants to uh, reclassify, um, uh, you know, in a while from now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. And I realize everyone sort of wants a definitive answer now, uh, but the the best answer I can give on that, talking to CJ Carr, talking to Jason Carr's dad, talking to Lloyd Carr's grandfather, is that, you know, it makes sense to leave those options open for you if you so choose to to grab them. Um, you know, it was not lost on me when I went up for his announcement, his, his sort of high school football coach get, gave sort of the opening welcome before the, the broadcast. And when he said, you know, I'm looking forward to having CJ for two more years. Like it was sort of an affected tone. It was like two more years. Right. Did yeah. it get dead? Did it get dead right? silent then? Yeah, when it's he- <laughs> just like everyone's like, okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it. Um, I think some of that may depend on how the class of 2023 goes, but I think the most interesting thing to me is for me were one, the fact that Notre Dame was open to it. And then also like, how the hell is this going to work? Um, because, and then you come to find out talking to the family, you know, he repeated eighth grade. He came into right. high school with high school credits. He's he has a May birthday. So he's already 17 years old at the end of his sophomore year. He would not be, um, out of his depth, age wise or maturity wise. Um, you know, he, and this goes back to something we talked about in the last podcast when O'Malley and I saw him at Irish invasion, it was like, if you told me he was a 2023 prospect, I wouldn't have been like, right. He's undersized. No, just like, he just looks like a normal high school quarterback.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And you mentioned maturity. And I think, and you spoke with him. I mean, any, any interview conversation that you've seen uh, with CJ Carr, there's a, there's a, a pretty high degree of maturity there. And I think, you know, I mean, certainly any quarterback can benefit, any football player can benefit from a junior, senior year of of high school football. But he does not look, when you look at his sophomore film and you look at him in camp settings going into his junior year, he certainly carries himself, throws the football. His movement, what I love about seeing him in camp settings is the 100% effort with every little detail of dropping back the pass, play action, fake footwork rolling out all the all the necessary ingredients he looks very mature uh, as a football player so we'll see and I and I think it's great that I mean it, it's great for him and it's great for Notre Dame that he has some time to get this figured out figured out get the classes set up for your junior year you don't have to make a rash decision so yeah. much in college football is make quick decisions. The coach left, we got to hire a new coach because recruiting and you know all that they don't have to, to worry about some of those variables. So that's good. So Dante Moore, what, what's, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you think is next there? Because I mean, I think most of us, most of the Intel that's, that's floating out there is that, I mean, ultimately Dante Moore has several options and Notre Dame is, was always a great option for him, but it's not as great now because CJ, CJ Carr is in the class and could actually end up being in Dante Moore's class.
1: There are two things that I felt strongly about uh, with Dante Moore's recruitment. Well, three things. One is that Notre Dame felt like they had they were going to get him, I think, up until Monday of last week. Um, two, that if NIL was not a factor, he probably would have already been committed to Notre Dame And then three, I was probably on a little bit of an island on this, but, like, Oregon is a real concern. I think all that stuff is still going on. Um, Except, like, Notre Dame, I think we sort of said, like, we'll let you know when Notre Dame's optimism about Dante Moore changes because it had been pretty consistent. It's changed. Um, Yes. That that optimism has changed. Um, I think that the NIL schools have been at the forefront with Notre Dame on Dante Moore from the very beginning. And I think that the NIL schools are in the ascendancy there. And Notre Dame is sort of on the way down. Um, talking to people in Detroit area, which is not to say Dante Moore's camp, just you know, people around the CJ Carr situation, um, and Michigan, the because Michigan is desperate to get Dante Moore too, is the feeling is it's much more of a like a Texas m Oregon recruitment with maybe LSU as a as a side player um I I think that other than um sort of like the Notre Dame fan base that that's kind of it for where the optimism around Dante Moore starts yeah, and ends. no
0: I would agree I, I would agree that we've heard similar things that you know I mean Michigan with Jim Harbaugh is that is that really a great option for for a quarterback right now I, I just You know, from the outside looking in, I don't see that. I'm glad you brought up NIL because I don't think I used this question, but one of the questions that was submitted for today's podcast was, you know, would Nordame's recruiting well, how much better would Nordame be recruiting if NIL wasn't in play? Um, You know, and and Nordame does, they they do have a plan. The plan is unfolding for NIL, but I don't think there's any doubt that with the, the caliber of recruiter that Marcus Freeman is, and then subtract the money aspect of the NIL, I, they probably would be doing better. And as you say, Dante Moore might very well be committed without that.
1: Yeah. That was, I I've talked to uh, Marcus about this. It's just like when, it, when a prospect comes in and NIL is their first priority, is that immediately like, well, probably not going to get this guy. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that's like you, you, that's a, something you got to acknowledge if you're Notre Dame if NIL is number one on your list that's probably not a conducive situation for Notre Dame and like not much has changed there
0: yeah now uh Pete uh it was a big recruiting weekend for Notre Dame uh last weekend some of the names I'm going to say will be guys that were in town some are not uh were not necessarily but you know, I, I mentioned that Tom Lawyer, twenty four seven Sports, put out like an update on where he felt Notre Dame was with guys like Rico Flores and and uh, Jason Moore, Jaden Osbury, the linebacker, Ronan Hannafin, a, a, a two way guy that I like at receiver, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, Caleb Downs, Monroe Freeling. Most of those guys, it's looking it's looking pretty darn good for Notre Dame. Rico Flores, I think, is is probably the one that now. I think uh, there was Tom Loy and and a couple other guys put in a a crystal ball for Flores uh, for Notre Dame. But I mean, most of those guys, I don't know about Monroe Freeling, which who I love, I, you know, I think he would be the best offensive lineman in the group, probably the highest ranked one. So that's no, uh, that was no great mystery there. Uh, Caleb Downs, a five-star guy. It sounds like Notre Dame is certainly holding their own there, but like for Flores and Jason Moore and Jane Osbury, Hannafin, Christian gray, Micah bell. I mean, right now those guys
1: are looking like Notre Dame. I, yeah, I agree with that. the majority of that. Like Flores in particular, um, I think that's probably the one where Notre Dame made the biggest move last weekend. Right. Uh, I would agree with you know, that. Yeah. You know, Ronan Hannafin and Christian gray. I, I, those are important pickups for Notre Dame, but like guys that Notre Dame should get, um, anyway, like, uh, Christian Gray plays at Dismet. I realize Jordan Johnson went there. That didn't work out well. But Christian Gray is like more of a classic Dismet private school kid from St. Louis. Uh, Ronan Hannafin goes to the most Notre Dame sounding uh, on track high school of all time. Buckingham Brown and Nichols school. Um, (laughs) So I I feel strongly. A a feeder school for Notre Dame football. I feel strongly about uh, Notre Dame's chances there. But then it's uh, you know, you, you get in I, I have less of um an insight on guys like Osbury, Jason Moore, um, Caleb Downs. I think those are all battles that probably previous staffs would not have won. Uh, Monroe Freeling is interesting. I sort of like poked around on that last week. I think they like Elijah Page better. And Charles Jagusa better. Really? Yeah.
0: Really. I um Wow, I'm i li- I'm I'm glad you brought up Elijah Page. I'm a little surprised at that, and I and I feel like the film review I did on him, I didn't do a really good job of expressing my message on him.
1: There my point,
0: Freeling or Page? On Page, I'm sorry, on Page. yeah, on Page because I don't think Page is where Jagusa and Freeling are now at all. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to develop. I just think that at this stage of his career. There, there are too many. There, there are too many fundamental issues right now. But you know, he's he's a young offensive lineman and and learning. And I, I think in time, I think he's definitely a, a five year guy on the college level. I just don't see him as fundamentally sound as Jagusa and Freeling. But I, I, but I would have to say that I'm a little bit surprised if they think Page is better than Page is better than Freeling.
1: I think that what they love about Page is they went out and saw him in spring and it was like 93 degrees outside and he worked outside for three hours was just a total beautiful Um, beautiful so i I think it's uh i believe he that's something that you could see harry he stand really valuing right um that kind of attitude and work ethic so and that's not to say freeling is not um and i think jagusa they just sort of see like holy crap what what a collection of physical tools this kid has um that I, that i think he is the most off the charts uh in terms of just like physical traits you can build um right. you know it's a, i think they're just at a point now where it's they they can be choosy uh with their last offensive line spot
0: well that's good to hear i'm glad to hear that 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 is uh their impression of him because i think jagusa and freeling are really really good yeah so, right and i think page page has a chance to be that i just don't think that his performance is on the level of those two guys right now. Just my opinion on that. Last thing, and we do have some questions in the second segment because uh, Notre Dame baseball is a very hot topic. Notre Dame baseball uh, goes to Knoxville against the, the number one team in the 64-team NCAA tournament field. They go out there and win the first game. They get hammered in the second game, which – you Know as it was happening, it's just like it doesn't matter whether it's one to nothing or nine to one, man. This is just game two. But you certainly felt like like six innings into game three on on Sunday. Uh Burns, their right hander, was throwing a two-hit, throw thrown a two-hitter. And Nordame only had nine outs left. And um as I put it in my recap, Notre Dame was at that point treading water before they started walking on it because <laughs> Because uh, David Lamana, the catcher, hit his second home run of the season, and seventh or eighth of his career in a five-year starting career, down the right field line to tie it, and then Jack Brandigan put him in the lead. They put two more runs on the board, and and Jack Finley, the freshman left hander, was brilliant. I had speculated that they might bring it in the in pregame the morning of Sunday's game that they might bring. Finley in as early as, like, maybe the sixth or seventh inning. Well, they brought him in in the fifth, and he threw one-hit ball over five innings. Um, A phenomenal job by Link Jarrett. Nothing should surprise us. Um, I wrote a story yesterday that there's is there's no – Notre Dame's not an underdog against anybody with Link Jarrett as their coach and where their mindset of this program is right now.
1: I mean, Tennessee – I read that, and I was like, well, I mean, Tennessee was, like – people are having discussions about like Tennessee versus the field. Who do you got? Uh, I mean, ten, it was Tennessee was sort of in a, is this the all time greatest college? Baseball yeah. Team and and, and Brannigan like, actually noted Whoa. that. Um, you know, the amount of power that they have, the pitching that they have, just like the, the environment down the, there. I mean, the Ugh. environment they were playing in down there was, so I, it, was, know, it
0: was, it was, it was spectacular to be in that environment down there.
1: And then like, nothing I enjoy nothing less than debates about like whether it's an upset or like who's an underdog and yada, yada. But like the fact, the way Notre Dame beat them with power is shocking to me based on that's not how they've beaten people all year. And then you look at the teams Notre Dame has played the top 16 seeds. What were going into the postseason? What are they like one in seven? I think (laughs) One one in five, um, and then I I am not versed in college baseball at all. But then when you look at the SEC records, and they were what like twenty five and five Tennessee against a conference that produced four teams to the College World Series, like holy crap! I mean that that had that that was kind of an all time regular season. Yeah, no, and then was. Notre Dame just ended it. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, you
0: it, you have to consider an upset, but yeah, you understand my point about Notre oh, Dame yeah. That under they any thought, circumstances,
1: and that was I uh. So when I spoke to Paul, Maneri, <laughs> we were going back about Florida state in 2002, right. which was sort of like Tennessee and he, the team, when they went down, there was like, we're going to win these games. Like we've got this. So yeah, I mean, they don't in that locker room, they don't consider it an upset at all. Everybody else in the,
0: uh, in the baseball <laughs> no, no universe doubt. would, I mean, you, you, the numbers, like for example, and, and, and trust me, the ball flies out of that ballpark, but, um, uh, the numbers in general. Tennessee had 82 more home runs than Notre Dame going into the series. I mean, it's just, it's just it's ridiculous stuff. But they find they find a way. I I, I want to kind of save some of my comments because there's a couple questions. But it, it's it's just inc- it's incredible. It's all tempered by the 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 very realistic possibility that the last games of the, the, uh, link Jarrett era are coming here, coming up in Notre Dame, whether they win it all or not, you know, I mean, if you can go to Tennessee and win two out of three, it, I mean, obviously you can, you can beat anybody that you play. They do open with Texas at seven o'clock Friday night, uh, you Omaha. And then the other side of the bracket is Oklahoma, Texas, a and I believe. Um, So, you know, we'll see. We have questions in segment two about baseball as well as football. And I believe a basketball question as well. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards.
1: Irish fans, listen up. Summer is here and with it, good times and celebration. And what better way to celebrate than with fireworks shipped straight to your door. Located just 15 minutes from campus, OC Fireworks offers one of the largest online selections of fireworks for all your needs graduations family reunions gender reveals sporting events and of course independence day visit ocfireworks.com for shipping details and be sure to use promo code irish on checkout for your special gift
0: This is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's called Burning Up the Boards. We start with a question from Party at the Moon Tower. What's the biggest upset, Notre Dame over Tennessee in baseball or Notre Dame beating Ohio State in the horseshoe in September? And then a second question, bigger win, Notre Dame football versus Clemson in 2020 or Notre Dame baseball versus Tennessee?
1: Mm, um, I think the bigger upset would be baseball. And the bigger win, I'll go with football because it kept a perfect season alive. You know, it's like it kept Notre Dame in a national championship hunt. This also kept Notre Dame baseball in the national championship hunt. But football being a national championship hunt is a little more significant.
0: Than that's exact. That's exact. When it was phrased as bigger win, when you say football versus baseball, well, that's the end of story.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like in but terms bigger of- upset.
0: Yeah, but bigger, but bigger upset. You know, I man, I don't. I, that's tough to I, probably baseball because you had to win two out of three, and
1: yeah, again, there, the, yeah, the the yeah, the environment,
0: yeah, the environment there is no really really daunting.
1: There's no college football discourse this summer about is Ohio State one of the greatest teams of all time? Like we know they're really good, but like that's how people were describing Tennessee baseball. Yeah, very true. In segment one, we were talking
0: in um I, I said, Brannigan, Jack Brannigan mentioned that when the bracket came out, you know, the talk was Tennessee or the field. And that just that kind of stuff fuels a team like this that has supreme confidence in its ability to match up against against anybody. So um, you know, was there a question? I think there's another question. Like the the conversation was, I put this in my Thursday thoughts last week. That would this be the biggest upset in Notre Dame sports history, and the one that I referred to was 1957 Notre Dame over Oklahoma because Bud Wilkinson was the coach, and they were one o they were one o seven eight and one in an eleven year span, and Notre Dame had lost. Eleven out of seventeen games under Terry Brennan that year. Notre Dame ended up going seven and three, but Notre Dame went to Oklahoma and not only beat Oklahoma, but shut them out seven to nothing. So I, you know, that under all the circumstances there, and that's why I say I don't think Notre baseball—it's a good angle for a story anyway. I mean, they're they're not an underdog against anybody with Link Jarrett in the current makeup of this uh, this program. Question from Irish Cowboy Twenty Two: Now that Notre Dame has C.J. Carr. Who's the most important recruit left on the board in the class of 2023?
1: You could, I mean, you could take this a bunch of different directions. Um, I will, if we're not attaching sort of realism to it, if that makes sense, like Richard Young would be my guy. Um, cool You know, five-star he's, he's running back, a position where Notre Dame has good players, but maybe not great, great players, Um, you know, but, I'd be, I'm torn between him and Caleb Downs.
0: Yeah. Well, Richard Young's a great man. He's, he's special. He is a, he's a cut above in any running back that we're talking about. I would probably lean towards Caleb Downs. Um, I, you know, again, I love Monroe Freeling and I, and I think a, a great offensive tackle is, is imperative to have it's think And they have two of them right now in the starting lineup with, With uh, two years of eligible or two years of playing time for each one of them, I would imagine those two are going to leave after the third year. Um, Richard Young's great, Uh, but I would say Caleb Downs because that's a legit five-star defensive player, and I would always
1: choose on the defensive side of the ball first.
0: Anybody else come to mind for you,
1: Pete? Uh, I mean, there are a bunch of receivers you could you could pick. Uh, You know, Rico Flores is a little bit farther down the list, but in terms of his rating. you know what? Like, uh, let's be honest. Like Keon Keeley, I realize he's committed and has been committed for a very long time. But like Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, everybody's going to still be coming after him right. until he signs in December.
0: Right. I was not taking into consideration guys who've been previously committed, but yeah, losing Keon Keeley would be
1: tragic. <laughs> yeah, and I feel. I feel good about it. Nordheim feels good. No, I agree, I
0: agree with that. I agree with that. I don't I don't think that I don't think that changes. I mean the way he carried himself and handled himself in in visiting in the spring. I mean it, it, everything indicates that it, that he's sold on Nordheim. I know that that narrative is still out there and you never know until December, but I think uh, everybody at Nordheim feels pretty good about that. We've said that before. I realize that Question from Frank 1957 is Notre Dame done trying to land a grad transfer wide receiver. And we're going to tack on Hayden Adam Z who asks, is it Freddie canteen slash cam Smith quote break glass in case of emergency time yet for Notre Dame and it's wide receivers. Or at this point would Notre Dame just lean on tight ends and running backs to supplement the passing game.
1: My hunch is that the, that last point will be how they deal with it. I don't think they're ever done trying to find somebody, but we're uh, we're beyond that earlier. No, doubt. May. Remember Nick yeah. McCloud? Didn't mean, yes. Like, well, it's it's mid-June, so it's you know <laughs> the the summer stuff has already started now. I think that makes it even more complicated because now you're now you're falling behind everybody. Right. Um, yeah. So do you
0: think? Don't you think it's an indication that Avery Davis is coming along? They're happy with the progress of Braden Lindsay. Um, you know, I don't know about the younger guys. Tobias Merriweather is now in the equation. Uh, you know, you have some options with, I think, Chris Tyree in particular and how you can use him in, in the slot. It's still, it's not going to be an ideal situation. It's just not. No. They, they paid themselves in, in this corner with the poor recruiting that was done prior to this.
1: Yes. It, uh, I think it, this is kind of like they've made their bed. Now they're going to lie in it by, um, you know, but it doesn't mean like the points you make are good. Like Chris Tyree has a lot of multi-positional flexibility. Avery Davis is very reliable when he's, when he's healthy and he should be healthy. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, they're just, they just don't have enough numbers. Um, so now you're, you're hoping you are hoping and praying that Tobias Merriweather could be like a very special elite kind of freshman. And
0: I think that they've put Tobias Merriweather on an accelerated kind of, you know, program. To, right? Yeah, they do. They do. But I, I mean, I think it's a reflection that they have confidence. Hey, maybe we might be able to catch lightning in a bottle right out of the shoe with Tobias Merriweather. I mean, he's a, he's a high rated receiver, and rarely do you say, oh, okay, this freshman has to play right away. But that's the situation that they're in with uh, with Merriweather, and he may be able to back that up.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's uh, He's he's going to get every opportunity. No doubt so about that. Couldn't ask for a better situation for him.
0: Question, question from Kavik. If Notre Dame does not add a receiver from the portal before August, what are the chances that running backs, Jadarian J- J- Price or Jabron Payne, play some slot receiver. Didn't Ricky waters do it? Ricky waters (laughs) did do it. Ricky waters did do it. He was,
1: did he he rush for 10,000 yards in the NFL? Yeah, he did.
0: He did. Uh, and I'm not sure that Jadarian price and Jabron Payne will do that, (laughs) but no, I mean, point taken, I know where he's coming from, but I price or, or, or I, I, I mean, I think they're both capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. I'm not sure. Those are the 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 slot options. I think Chris Tyree wouldn't, is.
1: Yeah, those uh, wouldn't be my first pick, but uh, I think Payne in particular is a good.
0: He is. Yes. Dimension
1: probably more yes. so than price to me. Yes, um, I agree with that. So that's that's another. What Charlie Weiss used to always talk about creating depth from within, and I'm like, well, that means you just have one fewer guy at the other position, right? Well, that that's what they got to do. This that's the reality that they're living in right now.
0: It is, and you. I mean, you do have a little bit of leeway at running back. You know, I mean, you've got, you've got some that you, you have to play young. You have, you have to play a, you know, you definitely have to play a young guy like Price, but I think that's their intention anyway. So it's not an ideal situation. And look, I'm not, I don't want to excuse anything here, but I think sometimes there's a perception that if there's a gap and, and, and this was, this was created again by poor recruiting, but. You, there are a million moving parts with a football team you're going to have shortcomings at times this is a little bit extreme I, I, I get that but sometimes the perception every time every time a, a, a leak springs that you should be able to, to to plug it without any repercussions it's just it's that's not realistic. I realize this is definitely an extreme situation that was caused by not doing a good job uh, in, in recruiting. Question from Irish I was tailgating. How do you assess Harry Heestand's 2023 offensive line class so far? Does it need another elite prospect or two so we can stop comparing Jeff Quinn to Harry Heestand?
1: It's I very good. Um and I think if they end with Jagusa, it will be great, you know, it would be that would be a great haul and it's it sort of gets back to something we said in the first segment where I mentioned like they love Elijah Page. Love him. Um, So that, you know, Joe Otting from Kansas is like, I really sees a three-star prospect, but he is a three sport athlete and Iowa thought he was good enough to play offensive line there. Like if, if Harry Easton's vote of approval, wasn't enough. Kurt Ferrand should like make it pretty obvious. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's a, with Jagusa, I think it would be a great recruiting class. Um, You know, Jeff Quinn did a really nice job in recruiting too. Harry Easton did a nice job in recruiting before that. Ed Warner did a nice job in recruiting before that. What what's what's the thing that never changed throughout that? The school they were recruiting to. Yeah. So that's that's important. I guess I would I would
0: hesitate to to use the word great because you know I, I we're not sure exactly how high the ceiling is for Pendleton. Uh, I like auditing a lot. Um, but I think that's going to take time. He needs to add considerable size. Yes. Um, you know, I like Jagusa a lot. I love Freeling. I think Freeling would be the, 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 the crown jewel on, on that group. Um, and you know, again, I think Paige long-term has a chance to be really good, but isn't on that level with Jagusa and Freeling at this point. So, uh, I, I, you know, in the, in the, since Marcus Freeman was hired as head coach, like our message board is, you know, most people are optimistic and everything's great. And this is going, so at certain point you have to start bitching and moaning about somebody <laughs> and something. And, and those just, that
1: he stand recruit, like often right, well, recruiting is like 27th <laughs> on my list of concerns.
0: <laughs> yeah. But there, there, there was a smaller faction that did not want Harry he stand to come back to Notre Dame among fans and and so when there appears to be a little bit of a bobble in recruiting you know that that, that some are going to go back to that but uh, there are gaps there are gaps on every roster including Alabama from a couple of years ago when they gave up 45, 41 45 points in Mississippi in September i mean they Alabama fans were hugely concerned about their defensive coordinator and then they beat Notre Dame uh, Nordame hung yeah. in there score wise, but they ended up beating Nordame pretty badly. So anyway, I understand the question. Uh and, and I would stop short of saying that it's great. Uh, a great Fair. would be a great haul. Question from Port Andy if the is, is the Nordame men's basketball roster set for 2022, 23? I'm not sure how much you you've followed that Pete.
1: I have not, I mean, just on a very surface level with Goodwin and Rosovsky and Cormac Ryan. Um you know, I, I realize that there does does Notre Dame basketball need a big man transfer more than Notre Dame football needs a wide receiver transfer?
0: <laughs> That's the question.
1: Yeah.
0: P P, P Sampson 2022 yes. asks, um, you know, I mean, I when I when I inquired about Pete Nance uh, as a possible transfer, uh, the response was how many guys do you think you are that are going to play that, that I got from Notre Dame? So I think it very well could be, could be it. And they've got very a very veteran basketball team uh, that I think is going to be very, very good. I mean, they're, they're going to make the NCAA tournament again. They need to get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament for it to be considered any kind of success. And the other certainty is they're going to struggle uh, rebounding because mm-hmm. that's what Notre Dame does. They're four around one, and they're generally lacking in size in lieu of adding more scores and shooters. Fortunately, the shooting aspect, which was assumed in the beginning when, when they gathered those together and then struggled, really started to come together down the stretch of last season and should continue, should be a part of the the regular shooting routine for A moving forward. But I think there's a very good chance that the, the roster is set uh, where it is. Question from play like a champ seven. Do you think NBC is missing the boat by not trying to get Mike Golick, senior Mike Golick, junior or Brady Quinn in the booth calling games?
1: Um, somewhat. I think Quinn is excellent uh, at what he does. Uh, I I like Mike Golick Jr.'s sort of like vibe and persona. I realize it's probably not for everybody, but um, I think when Notre Dame's new or NBC's new booth comes out for Notre Dame this fall, I am highly, highly certain. Jack Collinsworth will be doing play-by-play and Jason Garrett will be the analyst. Uh, And that is, that's a big change from Mike Tirico and Drew Brees. So, or Tony Dungy the year before. So I don't, I don't really know cuz it's like one of the things with NBC is like they want you to be sort of all in with NBC. Um you it's like at Fox Brady Quinn is able to do I think CBS Radio and Fox TV. NBC they they would like you to sort of be all in house. So it's it's not as easy as just being like, "Well, can't you come in and just do these six games?" Um but I think I think Brady Quinn in particular would be excellent uh if they can figure out a way to make that work.
0: But uh, yeah, I, I- I mean, I think Brady Quinn would be excellent. I, I think, uh, with all due respect, I think Mike Golic Senior. I think that time has passed. Uh, Mike Golic Junior. is kind of a lightning rod. I think, as you alluded to there a little bit, Pete. Um, I don't. I don't think that that. I don't think that would, despite the fact being a former Notre Dame player. I don't think that would float well. And I. And I don't. And I. I, I don't know. Does Brady Quinn want to? do games I I think he's more of a a pregame show kind of guy I mean it's a different lifestyle I can understand uh, the girl the girl dad that he is that he would want you know more of a in-studio role as opposed to you know flying from here to there well I
1: mean he's he lives in Fort Lauderdale but has to fly to LA for the studio show so uh, okay well that's every it's every week whereas Notre Dame only home games so okay well that maybe that, something to be said there
0: that's a point but but he works for another company he works yeah, for another broadcast company
1: that's also a point
0: that <laughs> yes, is significant right right so i mean unless we know the contra- contractual obligations and the specifics of brady quinn's contract um we're kind of guessing collinsworth is getting his feet wet with the uh usfl this spring
1: huh no he is that's true yes you know that's happening. Yeah, yeah i just think that that's a i think notre dame people there's a section of Notre Dame people have been like why can't an ordinary person be in the booth why can't an ordinary person be in the booth why can't an ordinary person be in the booth well jack Collinsworth, a Dame graduate replacing mike Chirico is basically impossible oh my um, god so it's a t- it is a tough first assignment <laughs> um with with a lot of people watching that's like that's that's bob Davy replacing Lou Holtz. Yeah that's a tough one.
0: <laughs> Question from Irish from A2. The Notre A football coaching staff is having a lot of success recruiting. Do you think they would be having even more success if we were not for the era of NIL as I alluded to in segment one.
1: Yeah I I I do I don't think that they would have I don't think they'd be in a position to basically sign Texas A&M's class from a year ago, though. Um, you know, maybe Dante Moore would be committed, which I'm, is not insignificant. But <laughs> there were recruiting inducements going on long before NIL came to play that Notre Dame ran into on the trail, and those those would still be happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, they would be having more success, but I don't necessarily think they would they would suddenly have six five stars committed.
0: You know, I, I I basically agree with with what you're saying there, and you can't change reality. And NIL is reality, and um, you, you've got Marcus Freeman. I mean, you've got you've got the best imaginable young recruiter going for you, and that is definite. That that you have that, you're going to have that for a while. Um, you can't do anything about NIL, but you you have a tremendous recruiter. In Marcus Freeman. So when you weigh the scale, um, having Marcus Freeman is more important than any uh, obstacles that you face with NIL. <coughs> Excuse me, question from Jay Marasco. Um, these are directed a little bit more towards me because of Notre Dame baseball. The podcast after the Notre Dame baseball team was ranked number one. You said this was not a world series team. What do you miss? What did you miss? Also better odds, Notre Dame winning the college world series or link Jarrett staying at Notre Dame and not going to Florida state. What I, what I missed is, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, I, I missed per se. It's just that you look at like, you first of all, like they were down three to one and nine outs away from me being correct, <laughs> but and yes. they took over the end of the game on Sunday, much, much to, uh, to my delight, but I mean, you just, you just look at them and you, they, first of all, they, they only have one pitcher that goes as a starter that goes deeper than five innings. And that's John Michael Bertrand. And he doesn't break 90 miles an hour or rarely does. <laughs> uh, secondly. Um, I mean, look, they look at who they matched up against in the super regional on paper, they shouldn't win that, but that is, you know, it's not that I missed the ma- that I missed on the magic of Link Jarrett. I've been saying it and writing it for three years. I was saying it when he was eleven and two, in twenty twenty two. He's just that good, and has brought out the best in in this this group. And I don't want to take anything away from the players because they have to go out and do it, no matter what kind of leader Link Jarrett is. But you know, man for man, pure talent wise, they don't match up to Tennessee. But as a group the hole is greater than the individual. And um, that's why
1: we're all going to Omaha this week. And then why couldn't, know, uh, why couldn't you predict back-to-back home runs in the seventh Tim, Like what's. what's yeah, I, yeah.
0: Right. When Lamana came up, I thought, yeah, he's going to hit his second home run of the season. I mean, on the like, right field line where the, where the, the uh, wall is cut out and dips down right where <laughs> he drove the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's uh that's a, I mean, that, that's what's the shocking part. It, like the fact that they beat Tennessee is surprising. The fact that they did it with power like they've done that all year.
0: Now, that's now, there have been there have been occasions. There there have been occasions and I mean and they did it with power in the regional at home uh-huh. last year but Nico Cavadas had five of those. That's different. 15 15 homers. Um yeah, I mean they they but they do it in a multitude of ways and that's why the handling of the pitching staff is just absurdly good i saw chuck rostano when the team returned yesterday and i've known the pitching coach who i've known since he was with Mike mick aoki and i'm like dude how in the world you guys are going to the college world series and you don't have a starter and get beyond five innings yeah. and, and it's just because they do such a great job of the you know I, I mean it's both him and jared of course jared first that just the feel for when you need to make a change and now Tennessee fans were complaining about or will be complaining about uh, Tony Vitello stay, sticking too long with his pitchers on Sunday, whereas Jared had the, he, he always has a quick hook, but it was quicker than normal because it was what had to be done. So his feel for the game is just off the chart. And then the second part was uh, what's Notre Dame winning the, Better odds, Notre Dame winning the College World, World Series or Link Jarrett staying in Notre Dame? I would say Notre Dame winning the College World Series. Because if you can beat, well, first of all, the odds are bad about Jarrett staying. And if you can beat Tennessee two out of three at Tennessee, you can beat any one of the teams. Obviously, you can beat any one of the teams that you're going to play this weekend. Second, another question from Irish Boy One. If Link Jarrett leaves, what's next for Notre Dame baseball? Can they find a top-notch coach? I mentioned it earlier. If, how in the world are you going to replace Pat Murphy? Well, you, you found Paul Mineri, who took it up a notch. And I realized they, they swung and missed a couple times before they found Jarrett, but they found Jarrett um, much to the credit of, of Jack Swarbrick and, and Jody Sadler, who made the call on, on link Jarrett. Uh, Swarbrick talks about he uh, when Jody Sadler, you know, he, he kept, he kept saying, well, should we, should we? And Jody Sadler said, Jack, you're out thinking this. That's the guy. And he obviously was the guy. Well, we'll Pete, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, it's worth remembering. Pulmonary was not Pulmonary when he came to Notre Dame. It's exactly He came from, Air Force. came from Air Force. Link Jarrett was not, I mean, he was good, but he came from UNC Greensboro. I think Notre Dame baseball, that where they are in the hierarchy of college baseball, you're you're always going to be looking for that next up and coming coach. And if you can keep them for a few years, great. Because if you did, you got to only had them for a few years, it probably you won a regional. You went to the college world series, maybe you won a national championship. Like enjoy that ride. Um that's that's the most important thing to me.
0: Right. And now, because of what he's done, you are going to attract a greater pool of quality coaches yes. wanting to come to Notre Dame. So I have a hard time picturing the kind of guy that is a better strategist and handler of a team than what I've seen Link Jarrett do for for uh, 85 wins and 30 losses. I believe it is. I, I I I don't. I'm not creative enough to imagine somebody that's better than him. But there are good coaches out there that will want to come to Notre Dame now more so because of Link Jarrett. We'll wrap it up with a question from T. Branson. Since it is almost that time of year, who on the Notre Dame team? You'll understand what that means. Since it's almost that time of year, who on the Notre team would win a hot dog eating contest? It was you three and the Irish coaching staff. Uh, T. Brunson was anticipating O'Malley being with us. <laughs> who who would win? I don't. Who who would win? Okay, amongst us three and the coaching staff.
1: I I. Uh, it's a shame that Kurt Heinrich is no longer on the roster for this question. <laughs> I feel like. I would immediately have gone to him. You know, it's got to be an offensive lineman. I think that uh, a sneaky pick, this is probably overthinking of this question, but a sneaky pick would be Zeke Carell because he basically has to like force himself to to keep on weight. So he's trained in the art of forcing food into your body that you don't necessarily want to put in in the first place. Zeke Carell is my guy.
0: That is a awesome choice. Awesome choice. Um, I just, by nature, it's got, we, we're thinking offensive line, defensive line, right? Yes. yes. Joey, Joey Chestnut uh, being the, being the exception to the rule, but, uh, Blake Fisher, I think the, the the biggest dude out there would, would be one of my first choices. And I, you know, and I, and I look on the defensive line and he looks like he doesn't have any bad weight. So his diet is probably really good. But also when I look at Riley Mills, I think that Riley Mills could do some damage uh, in the hot dog eating contest area. After that, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm sure some of our our listeners will have a couple suggestions. Tosh Baker's a big dude too, but he's pretty he's pretty lean as well. All things considered, so uh, no correct answer. But I gotta tell you, I love the Zeke Corral answer because of the circumstances <laughs> around him having difficulty gaining weight. We are uh, wrapping up today's Irish Illustrated Insider going to have to let you know about next week again, because there's a chance that I could still be in Omaha or traveling back from uh, uh, Omaha on Monday. So we will let you, we will let everybody know one way or another, whether we're going to uh, do our next Irish Illustrated Insider on Monday and Tuesday of next week. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.